0: Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. hope everyone's doing well. Had a great uh, Christmas and a great holiday. Um, bear with me. I'm not Pastor Bill, if you can't already tell. Um, <laughs> so this message may not be as long as a standard Pastor Bill message. Um, you're dealing with uh, third stringers, so uh, bear with me. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11 today verses 25 through 30. Um, But right before I get right into that, we're going to dismiss the little ones. So if you happen to be pre-K to fifth grade, you can uh, exit out the side right here. We have uh, Mr. Jeff, Miss Diane. They're going to be teaching you guys today. So excited. Look at them run. (laughs) Uh, And youth, I see a few. You're going to be inside today because, well, you know your youth pastors right here teaching you so (laughs) you guys are inside today and we're going to be in matthew chapter 11 verses 25 through 30 today i'm excited uh to just uh share this word with you guys and uh um we're going to pray before we jump right in and then uh yeah we'll go right in there so lord uh, we are just so thankful that we can meet today lord thankful for this church lord that Uh, We love you, Lord, and we uh, just are aching to serve you and and learn more about you. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that um, that the word that you gave me, Lord, uh, just touches uh, everyone's hearts. They have something that they can take away today, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right. So, Matthew chapter 11, uh, we are right in there. Uh, The title of the message is called The Gift of Rest. The Gift of Rest. Now. You know, holidays are, are ending. You know, there's, the holidays are pretty much over. Your Christmas is over, if you didn't already know. Um, and uh, some of us stayed up late last night to uh, hear the, see the, uh, you know, the, the bell drop and, and uh, ring in the new year. And I am not one of those people. I was in bed at eight a.m., eight p.m., at probably eight a.m. too. Uh, <laughs> And uh, now we can kind of get back to our normal routines, right? You know, it's, uh, now the kids aren't home, now they're getting ready to go back to school. Um, if you were off at work, you're, you're enjoying the last few minutes or hours you have of vacation before you have to go clock back in and get right to it, right? And uh, you know, hopefully, some of you guys didn't get trapped into those ble- uh, freezing temperatures or those blizzards out in the south. I, we had some friends in Tennessee that were shoveling snow, and a whole bunch of people that we know that had their flights canceled. So hopefully, none of you guys uh, had to deal with that. You know, I know that us in the Bay Area, we struggle when the temperature gets down to sixty. So uh, um, <laughs> I know that there's 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 that there's that. We are a special people here. <laughs> So Christmas was last week, if you didn't already know, we received all kinds of different gifts, right? You know, we had stuff that we had on a list that we gave to our parents and said, please, please get me this. Or uh, some of you got some nice toys, right? But you know, when you get adulthood, toys kind of change, right? They can be slipper socks. I know a few of us are excited about slipper socks, blankets, you know, some nice blankets, some nice pajamas, right? Maybe some nice shoes. But we all get kind of excited for gifts, right? We're excited to open them. We're excited when we see our presents under the tree. Our stockings seem to be kind of full. We're really excited to see what's inside there. We want to shake out our stocking. We want to rip open those presents and see what's inside. And you know, in Acts 20, 35, it does say it is more blessed to give than receive, right? Because some of us actually really enjoy the giving of the gift. I know my wife and I get really excited when we see our nieces and nephews open a present, and then they get excited, and then we just give ourselves high fives uh, going like, yes, we did it right. We did it right. We did not get them something they did not want. (laughs) Um, But speaking of gifts, we really have a lot of gifts to be thankful for as Christians. We have a lot to be thankful for as Christians. We have the gift of fellowship, the gift of fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, that is a gift, a total gift. You could go to any church in the world and find a brother or sister that can pray for you and that you can pray for. That is a gift. We have the gift of God's word. God's word is a gift. The very words of God are in our Bible. The very things he spoke are written there for us to read Meditate on, hold on to, memorize, do those dwell, dwell plan, right? do the dwell plan on. And of course, we have the gift of salvation through Jesus. And what a precious gift that is, isn't it? And I'm going to be focusing on that very gift today. We're going to be focusing on that gift that only Christ can give. And at times, this gift can feel uh, kind of beyond our comprehension, right? It can be, it can seem like, what? (laughs) What? Are you serious? This is, you gave me this? You took my sin away? And you don't ask for anything in return. God's grace is an amazing thing, and it is such a gift. Now, before we read uh, the text today, uh, I want to kind of set this scene for our study now, up to this point in Matthew, Jesus has been teaching and preaching, right? He's throughout the countryside. He's sharing uh, the message of the kingdom. He's, he had recently set out his disciples into the countryside to spread the gospel and to heal the sick, right? Now, in this chapter, uh, Jesus responds to a pair of John's John the Baptist disciples they they ask him are you the one are you the one are you are you the Messiah or should we be looking for another and and Jesus obviously answers well yeah I'm that guy <laughs> to paraphrase <laughs> and then he explains that um, all of the things basically everything that Jesus had been sharing that if even Sodom Sodom and Gomorrah, if you don't remember, they were totally destroyed because of their wickedness. If even Sodom had heard the message Jesus had preached, they would have repented. And he was saying that because Capernaum and a lot of the areas that Jesus had been preaching in had, had uh, been really stiff-necked, hard-hearted. The message was going, but it was bouncing right off. It wasn't penetrating their heart. Now next, we're going to be talking about this gift we have in Jesus. We're going to be talking about how he can give us true rest. So in verses 25 through 27, it says this, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it, so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now we're talking about this gift, and it's a gift that the Father has given, that God the Father has given us. Now, the first thing that Jesus does here in the text is he thanks the Father because there's this relationship between the persons of the Trinity, right? Jesus is thankful to the Father for two things. One, that he's hidden these things from the wise. And then two, that he's revealed them to babes. Remember those guys, the Pharisees? They were an influential Jewish sect. That along with the scribes and Sadducees, they imposed these additional laws and regulations right? They, they, for the people to follow. They kept on going and adding more and more and more laws for the scribes and Sadducees to follow. Now, not only that, what they would do is they would observe these requirements with total pride. They would pray these long, wordy prayers in public where people would see them. You know, there's this comedian I really like. His name is Brian Regan. He's really funny. He had this term for people like the Pharisees. He said he'd, he'd call people who were all about themselves, especially in conversation, he'd call them me monsters. And that was kind of a funny illustration of someone like a monster. Um, these Pharisees were basically like me monsters, right? They're all about themselves. Everything they did was for themselves, to elevate themselves, right? Now, back to those things that Jesus was thankful for. Number one was hidden these things from the wise and prudent. Now, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek what he's saying here. Because he's referring to the Pharisees who were supposedly wise and prudent. Right? They pretended to be these lofty, uh, philosophical, uh, spiritually wise men. But all they ever did was stuff for pride and for themselves, for their own recognition. And then the second thing that Jesus is thankful for is that this was revealed to babes, infants, children, little ones. And what does that tell us? Well, these leaders, they lacked humility and they lacked honesty. And that comes from a childlike faith. Those of you who know children, especially little ones, <laughs> they're fairly honest. <laughs> and the humility comes because they're so little, right? They can't reach up there to grab stuff. It's a good thing for us to be reminded about. Humility. That in order to receive that gift of salvation and walk in faith with Jesus, we need to come with humility. Humility. Humbled. Now let's talk about humility for a minute. You know, when you first come to faith in Christ, there is this recognition that takes place, right? I'm sure in everyone's salvation story, there's some nuance. I mean, there's a little differences here and there, but generally we come to realize that I can't do this on my own. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord, without you. Jesus, I need you. And that is humility in a sense there, recognizing that you are unable to do it. I am unable to save myself. I need someone to save me. I need you, Jesus, to save me. Now remember that thief on the cross in Luke 23. Jesus was being crucified and there was two thieves who were being crucified next to him. And one thief tells Jesus, Save yourself and save us. And then another one states, well, we deserve death. We deserve to die for what we've done. But remember me when you go into your kingdom. Remember me, Jesus. And then Jesus says, you know, you will be with me in paradise that very day. And I think that's another picture of humility. That thief knowing he had done wrong... But asking that Jesus just simply remember him is just a simple plea from a broken sinner. And I can recall my own testimony and just praying that, Lord Jesus, if you are real, I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. You know, I grew up with uh, in, a, in a kind of broken home. I dealt with a lot of hard stuff. And at times I felt suicidal and depressed. And um, I got to a point where I was in middle school, walking down my hallway, and I just cried out to the Lord and just said, Lord Jesus, just, if you are real, I need you. And I want to add a point to that to the parents out here. My parents always took me to church. I didn't always want to go. I was not always willing, okay? I was definitely not always willing to go, but my parents took me anyways. So I wanna encourage you, take your kids to church, even if they don't wanna go. They'll hear God's word, they'll hear worship, and uh, I wanna encourage you that these kids are gonna remember those things. When I got to that point in my life, I remembered who Jesus was, I remembered the pastors and the people at my church that were kind to me, and that helped me realize my need for Jesus, and that's how I got saved. So I want to encourage you guys, especially you parents, who are maybe discouraged about bringing kids, your kids, to church and worried about that. Don't worry about it. You know, God's got it. He'll, He knows. And if they're around youth age. Or children's age we have children's ministry and I'm the youth pastor so you can have them talk to me too <laughs> now Jesus tells us here um, in the last parts of that verse he tells us that he has received everything by the father but that no one knows the father better than the son of course right I could never know God the father better than Jesus the son knows his father, right? And in likewise, like no one knows the son better than the father. And Jesus is obviously the son, and he's explained that he's an equal in nature with God the Father. Now, in case you're wondering if this ever happens again, or if someone ever has a question about this, well, good old Philip, one of Jesus's disciples, asked Jesus about this very kind of thing in John fourteen nine. Jesus says. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And then earlier, Jesus states in John 14, 6, that no one can come to the Father except through me. So we we have a hard time with this idea, I think, um, because it is quite extraordinary, right? God himself came down in the flesh. Jesus it, the Son of God came down in the flesh. It's amazing. He lived a sinless life. He died and was resurrected, right? Now this gift is that is that very thing from the Father. He gave us his Son. In John 3.16, it does say that, right? It is a gift. Right? It is a gift. I had to throw a Lord of the Rings slide in there somewhere. And what an amazing gift we have in Jesus Christ, don't we? You know, and this gift isn't shelved in the attic. It's not boxed up until wintertime. It's not something that, you know, we're going to put under the bed in case of emergencies. It's not in the car just in case we have a flat tire, right? This is a gift that keeps on giving the more we spend time with it and the more we spend time with him. Because the gift is Jesus. Now the more we spend time with Jesus, the deeper roots will grow. Um, will be strengthened. will be matured. We'll be equipped to deal with this journey we call life. Now we're going to talk about a little more of what happens with that gift next in uh, verse 28. It says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So now we, we have this gift, this gift of salvation in Jesus. We've come to Jesus. We have to receive it, right? We have to receive this gift. We can't have this gift if we don't receive it and accept it, right? It's like you wrapped a present for your friend. You give them the gift. They say, no, nah, I'm cool right? (laughs) They obviously did not receive the gift that you have given them, right? We have to receive that gift and accept that thing. Now, Jesus tells us here to come. First thing we need to do is come to Jesus and accept the invitation, right? Jesus is not an abusive tyrant. He's not going to force you to do it. He offers this invitation and you need to RSVP yes, but not just RSVP, you need to show up. Right. You know, you have a whole bunch of people RSVP for a party and like five people show up. (laughs) Not the case here. Not the case here. Right. RSVP and then show up. That's the first key. Right. We need to accept his gift and come to him. Now, interestingly, in contrast to the Pharisees, right, we go back to the Pharisees. They always would tell you, do this or don't do that. And Jesus just invites us, come, come to me, come to me. And I love how Charles Spurgeon says this. He says this, to Jesus himself, we must come by a personal trust, not to doctrine, ordinance, nor ministry are we to come first, but to the personal Savior, but to the personal Savior. It's important to understand that you know as you start out as a Christian and as you're growing in faith, we come to Jesus Himself. We don't we don't come to a belief system. Newsflash, becoming a Christian is not a, a, a cheat code to becoming a, a moral person or a more good person. No, 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 not at all. This isn't an equation that'll equal eternal life um, you're coming to a relationship with a person and that person is Jesus and we get eternal life by believing in him and following him oh just lost track there we are (laughs) we have a relationship with God the one who created us now what Jesus says next he says all you who labor and are heavy laden So that first part, all you who labor, that is referring to the burdens that we put on ourselves, okay? Now, heavy laden implies the burdens that are put on us by other people, right? Now, we go back then, those Pharisees would heave burden and burden on the Israelites, on on the Jewish people, See what Jesus says here in Matthew 23 4. He says this For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That is a perfect picture of what the Pharisees were all about. They were total hypocrites. Playing a part, you know, that word for hypocrite is basically actor. They acted a certain way, but in truth, they hardly served God. Now back to these burdens, we can put burdens on ourselves, right? That's so true. We can work ourselves day in and day out to death as Christians uh, to the point where we're not really helping anyone, Right? And it's all too common to serve in ministry till you no longer serve with joy. Have your coffee. Take a donut. (laughs) Pick up your kids. (laughs) It's like, all right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Someone needs a break. (laughs) You know, we can tell ourselves it's not going to get done. It's not going to get done if I don't do it. It's not going to get done if I don't do it. Who's going to step up? Don't believe that. I've been in ministry many years, and I can tell you right now, God will raise somebody up. God will raise somebody up. Now, I understand that when it comes to work, um, occupations and stuff, sometimes you have to work extra shifts and you have to work late nights. That's not always, your, that's not always something that you have control over, right? Right? Um, those of us who have worked shift work, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Mandatory overtime. Now, where do we go to rest? It's not a question of destination or a place. It's a person. It's a person. Who do we go to? We go to Jesus. What does he say in verse 28? Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. No, to those of you who work hard all day, all night, maybe you have multiple jobs, you work through school, come to Jesus. Now, you work hard, you make breakfast, you make lunch, you make dinner for your kids, and you get them ready for school every single day. Come to Jesus. Now you work nights and you go to school during the day. Come to Jesus. You pray in and day in, day out for your family to be saved. Come to Jesus. You have parents who yell and fight all the time, and you struggle knowing what to do, even how to handle it. Come to Jesus. You pray for relief from those thoughts and for your addiction to stop. Come to Jesus. You struggle with suicide, with depression, with homework. You struggle with life in general. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And what does he promise? Judgment? No is he going to be critical of you? No. What does he promise? Rest. Rest. Real rest. It's hard to grasp, right? Real lasting rest. This isn't like a waterbed. I don't know if you guys remember waterbeds. I remember my grandma had the had a waterbed, right? And whenever time we got our grandparents I would beeline straight for the waterbed because I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and I felt like I could sleep like better. Um, now, as an adult, no, no. <laughs> we're talking about real rest here. We're not talking about waterbeds, cots, and we're not talking about you know your Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> we're talking about real, real rest within your soul. Rest. You know, I've struggled with anxiety most of my life and I can tell you right now that the rest you have in Jesus, it's so hard to describe when you struggle with anxiety, when you come to Jesus and it's that lifting of your burden, nothing like it, nothing like it. So come to Jesus and he will give you rest, you know, because life can sometimes feel like a sprint and a marathon. While running through an obstacle course. And I should know because I've done that before. (laughs) Jesus just wants you to come to him. And it's an invitation to rest. To be in a place where your anxiety melts away. Those burdens that you have on your shoulders. That you feel like you are carrying alone. He is there to give you rest from the burdens. He is totally there and always there. And that's it. He will relieve you of that weight you carry. He'll take it away. You have to surrender. You have to come to him humbly, praying, and he will give you that rest. Now, there's more to this uh, gift than just the rest. We're going to be talking about in verses 29 through 30. Verse 29 says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this next step, we come humbly to the Lord, we receive that gift of rest that he's given us, but there's more. The next step we need to take here is found in this first part of the text, right, we need to take his yoke on us and learn from him. So most of us may not understand what a yoke is. Um, so I'll have to describe that for you. I realize I probably should have had to slide with a yoke, but there's hindsight right there. Um, so a yoke is like a wooden beam that can join to oxen, okay? Um, and you would do that to a plow so that you could plow a field Um, and plant your seeds and do that it's a um, now there's different kinds of yokes there's different types and some can be custom fitted to fit a particular animal as well and I read that the ancient Jews would use this idea of a yoke to express someone's obligation to God also they would say that there's the yoke of the kingdom there's the yoke of the law the yoke of the command, the yoke of repentance, the yoke of faith, and the general yoke of God. Lots of yokes. In this context, now, it's it's easy to see um, how Jesus just simplifies this and says, forget all that. Just take my yoke. Just take my yoke. So I don't know about you, but when I have tons of choices and all kinds of things before me, I'm, like, paralyzed. (laughs) One thing that helps me out. I'm just taking your yoke, Jesus. I don't need to worry about all these other yokes. And that was a yoke. I mean, a joke in some, yeah, I know. Thanks, Rick. There we go. We got one. We got one left. I know. I know. It was going to happen at some point. So Jesus wants us to take his yoke and do what? Learn from him. Learn from him. There's no greater instructor or teacher than Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. There is no greater instructor or teacher than Jesus Christ. He is patient. He's wise. He's all-knowing. You don't walk into Jesus' class wondering how it's going to go. You don't check with other students who've taken this class before and go like, hey, is this guy a good professor or what? Should I be worried about the homework? Rate my professor. Does anyone still do that? Rate my professor? Check the reviews. Is he five stars? Uh, I definitely avoided teachers that were below a certain level for sure. But Jesus is not going to disappoint you in that way at all, Right? He explains next, too, that he is gentle and lowly in heart. The words gentle and lowly translate to humble and meek. He's accessible and he's approachable. He doesn't keep office hours, you know. You want to go meet with Jesus, he is available. It's not like you go to Jesus' door and you say 8 to 5, Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Friday, <laughs> closed for the holidays, you know. Jesus, Jesus is not closed for the holidays, guys. <laughs> he is available. Now, the writer of Hebrews writes this in uh, Hebrews four sixteen. He says, "Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time to help in time of need." I can think of so many times in college when I was looking for a professor because I had a question about us homework or a certain subject, generally math, (laughs) and I wanted help with how to deal with this kind of work or whatever it was, and they were nowhere to be found during their office hours. (laughs) It's not the case with Jesus. He is not going to be missing in action. He's always available. And it says, like in Hebrews 4.16, we're going to obtain mercy and we'll find grace in our time of need. Now, um, in Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, he writes that you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest His rest is a gift, not a transaction. His rest is a gift, not a transaction. You don't need to pay anything to get this gift of rest. You simply need to come and you'll get it. And it's a simple thing. It is so simple and yet we struggle with it. I struggle with it, especially with even asking for help, right? I'm trying to build something. My wife's like, "Hey, you need help?" I'm like, no, no, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. It's backwards and upside down. <laughs> when we come to Jesus, we we take His yoke and we learn from Him, and we find that rest. Now, as I'm closing, um, you know that word "easy" can be translated to mean well fitting. You know, that yoke that we take from Christ, it's a yoke that's fitted to us. But that's not just it, right? Now, it's fitted to us, and the way we want to think about this is, you know, each one of us is a different person, right? We all have our own individuality. God has created us individually, right? But we also have struggles that I think can be unique to us in some ways, And I think to think of this yoke to be custom fitted to us is to see like Jesus is going to deal with us if it was just us. He's going to work with us as if uh, in, in a custom way, in our own way. Now, the thing about yokes, which is interesting, it's often the practice that they would yoke a newer animal to an older, more experienced animal to kind of show them the ropes, And to kind of guide the new one while it learned. And it's the same thing with us. We will take on Jesus' yoke. It's easy and it's light. It's well fitted to us, right? Custom made. But he shares the burden with us. It's light. It's not heavy. It's not taxing. It's easy. It's easier than those burdens that we can carry all by ourselves. Now, remember this. If you're carrying a heavy burden, come to Jesus. Surrender that burden to him. Take his yoke and you'll receive rest. You'll receive rest. You'll receive a burden, a, a yoke that is much easier and lighter and easier to handle. And isn't that a great gift a precious gift we have from jesus you know we have received great gifts from god through his son we we simply need to come to him take his yoke and learn from him and if we do we'll receive that rest that we all need okay so lord we are just so thankful that we could be here lord just um meeting together, Lord, and we are just thankful for you, Lord, that you would send your son, your only son, to us for our salvation, Lord, that um, if we simply just come to you, you give us rest, if we simply just come to you, you'll show us what to do, and we can learn from you, so Lord, I pray that you help us to learn from you, grow in you, we pray this in your name, amen.